Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Hi everyone, welcome to Conversations That Heal. This is your host, Susan Jacoby. I hope you are enjoying these inspirational interviews and they help you to discover how to make the decision to overcome childhood trauma, develop self-love, and live a life of peace and joy. On today's show, we're going to be talking about new possibilities that are waiting for us. All we have to do is open our hearts to receive them. Our emotional scars hold us back from allowing us to live how we are intended to live, with abundance, with purpose, with faith, with hope, and joy. The scars of the trauma do not define who we are today. They didn't define us during the traumatic event. They don't define us now. As an adult, I invite you to take a step back and think about where the scars, the pain, the habits, your actions are coming from. Are they coming from a place of a responsible adult that you are? Or are they coming from a place of you as a child who was the dumping grounds for the abuser's insecurities? Our guest today is Jiwanda Parker. Using her own life as a catalyst for change, Jiwanda embodies the message of God's love, healing, transformation, and hope. Having been raised in a foster care system, experiencing every form and type of abuse, overcoming stigma of shame, rejection, and unworthiness, speaks to the transformation of God's healing power and love. She has written her memoir, it only hurts when I can't run. Her website is gwanda.com, G-E-W-A-N-D-A.com. Welcome, Gwanda. Thank you so much to come to Conversations with Gil. As mm-hmm. I was preparing for this show, I was very in tune to the important role that compassion plays in this journey of the survivor moving forward, self-love. Self-love, I think everybody practices it every single day. It's a conscious decision to remind yourself to practice it. Stepping back and like noticing uh, your childhood scars and how they define your life, only recently did I decide to share a, um, a particular story about that. Only recently did I really see the connection with it. While some of my story may sound like, whoa, she's like crazy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like like I'm not thinking, like it shows you uh, how you don't think rationally. I'm a normal woman. I'm not living in a mega mansion. I'm not living on the streets, thank God, either. There was a period of time as, as recently as maybe even three, four years ago where I was convinced that living on the streets wouldn't be so bad, that um, that I couldn't live on the streets. Now, mm-hmm. looking at that now, that's not a rational thought. I can realize now where that mindset came in, and it came in from an experience that my nine-year-old self had with being thrown out into the, um, the backyard and the late fall and, and using the leaves under all the uh, vegetation to cover me up, you know, to try to 
like make that like a safe little place for me. And I'm telling you this because I hope people can see the connection here. Realizing that and, and making that connection, now I'm able to look at the nine-year-old and just be so proud and so remarkable at how creative she was to come up with an, a plan to keep herself warm, a situation that was completely out of control. As a, an adult now, looking at that, I can also um, bring her self-love uh, just as I would a child, telling her I love her. I'm just wondering if you have any, I mean, I'm not asking for um, a long story or example. I'm just wondering if you've noticed something similar on your healing path. Um, it's interesting you said the one about the, the homeless. Well, not homeless, but I'm going to take it there to the homeless. But you've been thrown out on the streets. Actually, I do have something extremely similar to that. It's a twofold answer. Two Christmases before my mother died, my mother had a, a my biological mother had an issue with drug addiction. Um, the whole Christmas season, I'd come to understand her addiction and and really embraced her as a person and not the whole addiction um, piece of of being angry about it. And she had a lot of pride. Fast forward to the Christmas season. She was living at a shelter until she could get her place where she was she was going to rent a place. And so I told her I was going to come and live in the shelter with her, and we would spend Christmas together in the shelter. And she thought that was a hilarious thing. And I thought, no, I want to experience this. I want to see what it feels like to have to clock in at 4 o'clock to surrender all your belongings, you know, the whole thing of the shelter, and to experience life the way she was living at that point. Fast forward to the work that I do with homelessness. One of the churches that I pastor, we are in the process of building a homeless shelter that will hold 200 seats for women and children, 200 beds. And... I keep kicking myself that I did not have that experience so that I could relate to the people once they got here. When I say relate, not relate from a, a standpoint of I understand, but but to really be able to have the empathy that they had to know I, I get that. And why I said at the beginning the twofold piece of it, my childhood, I always wanted mother, 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 mother. I always wanted that mothering, that connection, that holding hands, going to the store. I always wanted that. And so throughout my adulthood, even till today, to having the 16-week-old child that I have, it's in my mind that I still want a mommy. I still want to be able to call her and have her communicate with me on how to take care of my own child. But the healing aspect of that is that I'm turning that around and being the mom to my child that I always wanted. And then I am picking up others along the way to mentor them 
so that I can give to them in a healthy way what I did not get from some mentors who took me under their wing who had not yet gone through as much healing as they needed to to help me to grow up emotionally with that that whole mothering piece. These childhood situations, they don't leave you. You just have to learn how to live with them and you have to learn how to allow them to represent themselves in a healthy manner and not so much as a negative manner. But the triggers come in everyday life, in everyday life. And no, it doesn't make you crazy. It's just that's your history. That's that's your makeup. That's what you're made of. And so that's how I kind of get through some of those things that happen to me um, on a day-to-day basis that remind me of my childhood. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for that answer. Talking about, like, the trigger thing, you know, I always say that there are gifts in, in every action that we take in our lives. You could almost make yourself crazy by really looking at every single action in your day and find a gift in it. Even the trigger thing, there are gifts in that because when I hear you say that, you know, I'm thinking to myself the gift would be compassion towards others, uh, compassion towards yourself, giving mm-hmm. yourself another opportunity to learning to love yourself, which is a perfect um, segue into my uh, next question. So I also want to focus on um, our beloved heart. What has been your experience with opening up your heart? But I'm also wondering how you got through the fears and hesitations in the beginning. That took me years to allow myself to work through that and then allow myself to open up my heart. What has been your experience? That whole heart issue, it's a biggie. It's it's a biggie because that's basically who you are, and you want someone to take your heart and not break it but, but love you. Being in relationships with people who loved me long enough to get past my, I would call it my um, roadblocks or the way that I I communicated or who I was, basically just kind of testing them to see, do you love me enough to put up with my craziness? <laughs> and I will say the, the craziness of it, simply because it, it was so scary. And even today, it still is scary to allow people in to allow people to love you because you're always wondering, are are you going to leave or can you love all of me? Is there a part of me that you're going to get tired of? So all of that is a scary um, place. For me, faith had a lot to do with that because I began to see the unconditional love of Christ. And with the unconditional love of Christ, then I did not have to qualify for love. I just had to be. And in being, then if I if I did something wrong, I knew that God did not throw me away like people would or had. I knew God wasn't looking at me like I was stupid or, you know, not smart. It was really cultivating my relationship with Christ so that I could embrace that unconditional love and embracing that unconditional love, then I began to relax. And once I began to relax, 
then I let other people in, little by little, slowly. And then I had to learn how to love, quite honestly. I had to learn how to love, and I had to be okay with being loved by healthy people. And that that's just a whole nother conversation when you talk about receiving the love. Once you've had dysfunctionality, then how you handle things is totally different, and you end up sometimes sabotaging relationships because you're so unhealthy, and people don't understand you. And so they don't put up with that long enough to love you through the madness, so to speak. They just walk away. It's a hard one. It really is a hard one. Um, for for people who don't have faith, there are people who don't want anything from you, and you just have to spend that time and allowing that season so that they can prove in some ways that they love you and that they are okay with you and you are okay just just as you are. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to perform. You don't have to be perfect. And then just share, you know, allow your heart to be open to those relationships as they present themselves. And I think I think they do. They do come along and present themselves to you. It's interesting to notice I've been experiencing this uh, the past couple months, and I'm becoming aware of something that, is on one hand pretty humorous, and on the other hand, wow. <laughs> and that—that that is, you know, we go, we, well, I won't say we, I'll keep it to me. You know, I go through life and somebody has done something that hurts me or makes me feel bad or sad or um, derails me or, you know, wh- whatever you want to use there. I always have taken that personally. Like there must be something wrong with me for them to do that to me. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is in that whole mindset, I'm not, was not, am not, however you want to present past tense that, um, even aware or allowing the realization that the person who um, has, let's say, done me wrong, is going through their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. to make that break, if it is something that you have done that has, um, you have earned that behavior, well, then you need to clean that up because that's being responsible and, um, and to yourself. Forget about being responsible to anyone else. Be responsible to yourself and your own integrity. It's very um, interesting how how it all works and how just opening up and and being aware this show isn't like a little magic dust that you know your whole life is going to be improved. It's bringing awareness of experiences of um, and of the like from from both of our our journeys. Mhm. Absolutely. One mm-hmm. one hard lesson I had to learn by way of losing, actually losing some good relationships and actually running away from some really bad relationships is of, of others and not allowing them to uh, use their unhealthiness to continue to keep me in a 
in a web because I wanted that relationship. And so I, I incorporated in my life boundaries. There's a, a book by Henry Cloud that I would recommend everyone to, especially if you've had any kind of um, relationship issues, is by Henry Cloud. I forget the other person who, who wrote it with him, but it's, it's on boundaries, and it tells you how to set healthy boundaries for yourself around you. And then the other thing that I begin to notice is that um, it's almost like the law of attraction. You begin to attract who you are on the inside to you. And I wanted something different, but I had to realize that perhaps I had to change myself so that I would not be comfortable in the... I can't think of any other word but drama, in the drama of these unhealthy relationships. So I would, again, visualize who is it that I want to be because this person who I am now in this relationship is not the one that I envision myself being. And so I had to really start looking at that and owning my own stuff. <laughs> and as I owned my own um, I was able to make a, a conscious decision. This is where I stop and you begin or where I begin and you stop because I can't allow this relationship to keep me in this cycle. It's twofold just being very aware of who I am. And that goes back to a lot of that self-work self that, that you have to do um, so that you're not in a whirlwind with a narcissistic type person or a victim person or a hypochondriac or, you know, a person who's very manipulative or controlling. I mean, it's, it's just so many that you could go down the list with and, and you're thinking it's all me. Sometimes it is you, but more than not, it's, it's how you are allowing yourself to be in the relationship so that you can get healthy and get around some good, healthy people. That's a very excellent observation. We are coming close to the end of the show. <laughs> you wanted, thank you so much. I really have treasured this time together, and I'm very grateful that we were able to connect and have this conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, and I just appreciate you allowing me to be on your show. You're very welcome. Please contact me at Susan at ConversationsWithHeal.com if I can support you on your healing journey. Leave a comment on Blog Talk or iTunes to help us reach listeners in search of living a life of peace and joy. Above all, remember that you are a lovable and capable human being. Thank you for listening to Conversations That Heal.